It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast on the eve of the biggest weekend in Columbia, Missouri, at least this year and maybe in quite a while. Gabe DeArmond and Brian Austin here, and we're going to go straight to the phones. We'll we'll talk to uh, talk to Paul Clark of Cyclone Report about the Mizzou-Iowa State basketball game tomorrow night soon, but we're going to start with football. Mizzou-Tennessee, 6.30 Saturday night, and we welcome in Jesse Simonton from VolQuest.com covering Tennessee for the Rivals Network. Jesse, what's going on, man? I'm doing all right. How you guys doing today? Hanging in. Uh, appreciate the time. So last weekend, we uh, we covered Missouri facing a team in complete and utter turmoil. So pretty much everything I wrote last week, I'm just kind of rewriting this week because it's been uh, it's been a little crazy in Knoxville the past few months, huh? It's been Groundhog Day around here for about a month or so. so mm-hmm. it, nothing's changing. You know, the water continues to rise in the boat. They were able to at least, I guess, put some scotch tape or duct tape on, on one of the holes last weekend against Southern Miss. But, you know, th- th- this staff kind of knows where they're at. They understand the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And, and th- nothing's really improving for Tennessee right now. Even a, a, a you know, silly win over Southern Miss isn't going to change the perception. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, before we get into this weekend, is there really anything Butch Jones can do to save his job? Like, if he wins out, is he coming back? No, I think the writing's kind of been on the wall. I think John Curry has has done a good job of kind of keeping his his options uh, close to his vest, and you know he hasn't really revealed that much even behind the scenes. But Jones understands, you know, what he's kind of up against and what he's facing. It would take a stark and pretty stirring turnaround for him to be back in 2018. I think that's why you see guys, you know, the way the recruiting class is kind of shaken out in the last few weeks. There's a lot of guys jumping ship, and I think that that will continue over the next couple of weeks just with the uncertainty kind of reigning around Knoxville. Just in, in your perspective, why hasn't this worked? I mean, Butch Jones has gotten some high-level recruits in his time at Tennessee. Um, just why hasn't he been able to get this program to where volunteer fans want it at? You know, in 2015, it was all those close losses to Oklahoma, Florida, even mm-hmm. Alabama, in Tuscaloosa. And, and I think a lot of people thought going into last season, they were maybe on the precipice of, of really reentering the national conversation. And then they really continued to stub their toe. You know, they should have lost, honestly, to open the season last year against App State. They kind of got mm-hmm. fortunate. They were able to mask some of their deficiencies with a Hail Mary win at Georgia. You know, they had a big comeback against Florida. But then the injuries piled up. And they started to get, you know, started to lose some bad games against good teams, A&M, Alabama, and then inexplicable losses to South Carolina and Vanderbilt. You go into this season, similar issues have kind of been, you know, gone the whole year. They haven't developed the roster, and so the depth just is not where it needs to be for SEC football. And at a place like Tennessee, that's just kind of rather unexcusable. I'm sorry, I no, cut Gabe off there. Uh, is it has it been recruiting misses? You think? Or, I mean, are they not evaluating because? They always seem like they have high, high class, high, highly ranked classes. Maybe not top ten always, but definitely top twenty, top fifteen in that range. It, it's a combination. It's recruiting misses when you let guys like T. Higgins and Amari Rogers and, and local guys from Knoxville, you know, go to Clemson or elsewhere. But it's also, you know, ball legacies like J.J. McCleskey doing well at Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. Chase Hayden making some plays for Arkansas. But it's also they're just not developing the guys they do get. Jonathan right. Congo was a five star. He 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 has he has very much disappointed 
in his career to date. Drew Richmond, who I don't think is going to play on Saturday because he's still banged up, has started a bunch at offensive tackle for Tennessee, but he was another five-star. It's just, you know, his play has been really underwhelming. So they had too many of those, and when you combine also some of the recruiting misses, it's just made this roster perilously thin, uh, especially the last two years. So I look at this game, and, I mean, just kind of big picture, I look at this and I go, I don't have any idea how Tennessee can score enough to keep up with Missouri. Um, Florida's offense was bad. Tennessee statistically is actually worse. Uh, first off, it, it, are both quarterbacks, Jared uh, Guarantano and Will McBride, are they both going to play this weekend, or, or do you know kind of where that stands? Yeah, you know, Butch had said for the last couple of days that Guarantano was quote-unquote probable. He kind of backed off a little bit about from that uh, on Wednesday night saying now he's going to be a game-time decision. I think that that ankle, it's going to be tough for him. I was out there on practice on Tuesday. You know, his, at his plant foot, can't, how much velocity can he get? How much does it kind of limit his mobility? Right now, I would expect him to try to give it a go, but I would not at all be surprised if Will McBride plays the majority of the snaps on Saturday. And, uh, I mean, those two guys combined, McBride gets the red shirt pulled off last week. They're 60 for 102 with one touchdown and one pick in eight games. The numbers aren't pretty, and when I was doing my game preview for this weekend, I, you know, the, the one thing that everybody thinks Tennessee has is John Kelly and the ability to run the football. But that hasn't really happened either the last five weeks, has it? No, I mean, Kelly, Ke- Kelly is a dynamic tailback. I mean, he's a dog, and he can break tackles. He had a Marshawn Lynch-type run against Southern Miss last Saturday. But, you know, he averaged north of six yards a carry the first couple games of the season. He's been in the threes the last six weeks. It's just been tough sledding for an offensive line that can't get any real traction or push. They've obviously been in kind of a carousel there with injuries. Tennessee's the worst third down offense in the SEC, and that's really correlated to the fact that they're so terrible on first down against Southern Miss just a week ago in a game they won, mind you. They only averaged two yard, 2.2 yards to play on first down. I mean, they're constantly behind the sticks. It's going to, you know, I, I said in our preview, it's going to be. Missouri's going to score 30 points. We haven't seen Tennessee do that since Indiana State, and even that was a struggle. So I just it, – it, it would take, I think, a confluence of a lot of things for Tennessee to even spring this up to, especially considering that, you know, they're secondary while the stats look good. They're kind of paper champions there because teams have been able to run the ball so successfully on Tennessee. The secondary has just been largely untested to date right now. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you about next, that second that, – that past defense rating I know is high – and I, I'm pretty sure I saw that uh, the, the loss of safety. Was he out already? I'm trying to remember if he was out and or they just um, – Evan Berry, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, Berry doesn't play that much on defense. Okay. The, safety com- the safety combination of Nigel Warrior and Micah Abernathy have played pretty much every single snap together this season. Warrior's really come into his own uh, as a sophomore at Tennessee this year. You know, he was a former blue ship recruit. Mm-hmm. I actually thought last week against Southern Miss was, was perhaps his most complete performance uh, at Tennessee to date. But the safeties have been there. They have three senior corners who kind of rotate, and, and uh, Shaq Wiggins, Justin Martin, and Emmanuel Mosley. Those guys can be exposed. They, they've made some plays this year, but largely, again, they've just been untested. Alabama threw for 300-something against them. Uh, a lot of that was kind of in garbage time with Tua Taglioli just kind of ripping some throws down the field. Florida was the only other team that's thrown for 200 yards against Tennessee all season. But, again, that's largely been a byproduct because Tennessee can't stop the run. Right. Georgia didn't have to pass. Georgia Tech didn't have to pass. 
Um, Kentucky, Tennessee lost at Kentucky, and Johnson didn't have to throw the ball at all either. So it, it's going to be an interesting situation with Drew Locke and just kind of the amount of explosive playmakers he has uh, at his disposal. Yeah, and, and what we saw last week with Missouri against uh, against Florida was they ran the ball at Florida the entire first half, and then when Florida brought guys up to stop that, then Drew Locke went over the top. I mean, is that pretty much the game plan for anybody that faces Tennessee? Run it until Tennessee stops it and then throw it if you have to? Yeah, and, and you know what? I know that Missouri's freshman tight end has, has been kind of a, mm-hmm. a nice red zone target for Drew Locke this year. I'd expect him to have a big game on Saturday. Tennessee, not as much this year because teams haven't thrown on Tennessee, but under Bob Shute, that middle zone uh, with the linebackers running that the quarters or cover three that Tennessee plays a lot has been open, and I would expect him to have a, you know a potentially another big game on Saturday because that's an area that Missouri can definitely expose. So, fans around Tennessee are they even worried about the season now? Or are they just completely focused on who's going to be the next coach there? Oh man! The only thing people care around here is, is the groomers and, and John Gruden and and, and 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 when and when the music, the, you know, the WWE type music is going to come on and, and he's going to roll out there from the stage like Stone Cold Steve Austin or something. I mean, that, that's all they care about around here right now. They they, they want the band aid ripped off and, and they're ready to find out who the next coach is going to be. So, on what date is John Gruden accepting the Tennessee head coaching? <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, like, is that? legitimate is that realistic or is that just another i i feel like every year gruden to tennessee is this thing that comes up on twitter but it's never really much chance exactly there there's been no today i mean what 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 we have all us have continued to laugh and tell people is that you know right now nobody knows anything and if they say they do they're the ones that that's swimming right you know i mean nobody nobody has has had any sort of concrete or finite information on John Gooden or otherwise right now. John Curry has really, uh, you know, d- done his best to make this a clandestine type, whether it's, you know, when, when Butch is going to be out or even moving forward with a coaching search. So there's been a lot of funny rumors and rumors out there, but yeah. nothing that's gained any serious traction today. Hey, last thing for you, Jesse, I think I made some enemies on Knoxville radio earlier this summer because it has been my contention that I'm not sure the – expectations of Tennessee fans are realistic. Like if you go nine and three at Tennessee in, in the sec, as it stands these days with having to play Alabama every single year, you probably ought to be pretty happy with it. But the feeling I get is that Tennessee fans wouldn't be. So a, am I wrong in that? And B, I mean, are the expectations unrealistic down there? You know, I mean, it's it's an interesting dynamic. I I actually, this is only my second year covering Tennessee. I covered Florida for four years um, before this. And and they're another fan base where, you know, sometimes expectations can can kind of uh, uh, maybe not exactly marry what the product is on the field. (laughs) And I I think the same thing can be said here. I do think that this fan base is is obscenely passionate. You know, there was this whole, like, empty kneeling hashtag Mm -hmm, that went around last week. Yeah, and they only had 93,000 people show up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and still 90-some-odd thousand. I mean, this fan base is starved for a winner. I do think that, you know, the nine-win seasons that Butch had didn't end up giving him the agency that he hoped moving forward because he didn't get to Atlanta when the SEC East was as down as it's ever been. And so, you know, if he doesn't lose to South Carolina or doesn't lose to Vanderbilt, maybe they go to the Sugar Bowl last year, the narrative this year could be different, but it's not. And so Tennessee fans are just kind of fed up with the mediocrity uh, that they've been mirrored in for more than a decade. You know, this team hadn't been to Atlanta since 
2007. You know, that's, that's a lot of decade now. And with the way Kirby Smart's recruiting at Georgia and the way that, you know, what he's building and, and, and that, and then having to play them plus Alabama each year, you know, I think there's a feeling around Knoxville that Tennessee could be even slipping lower and lower into the depths of the conference. Yeah, well, I appreciate the uh, the time, Jesse. You making the trip, or have you guys uh, cut bait on traveling with this team? Oh no, we're, we you know we got to. Hey man, when the Titanic sinks, you got to be. We're gonna be on, <laughs> we're gonna be the violinist still playing it when it goes down. So I'll I'll be up I'll be up in Columbia on Saturday, and I'll definitely see you guys. Perfect, man. Thanks for the time. We'll see you this weekend. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Jesse Simonton, VolQuest.com. And those guys do do a great job covering Tennessee. Like, check their site out as soon as this season ends because I think we've known it for, like, four weeks. Like, Butch Jones ain't coming back. No. And there's nothing he can do to change that. Yeah, and, it, and it, he kind of said what I thought. It's just they're, what they've recruited hasn't yeah. played up to the level of what they've been rated. And for whatever reason, there's schools that seem like they recruit off our rankings, which – I guess that's cool. I'm sure that they're not doing that, but it just like schools like UCLA, schools I like mean, UCLA, and schools yeah. like Tennessee, and and things like that. It just Bill Callahan got fired for yeah. doing exactly that at Nebraska, and like Tennessee to me is the anti-Missouri. Right. Like they're always high in recruiting rankings. They're always a top twenty-five team. They're frequently picked to win or be second in the SEC East. They have fans that show up no matter what. <laughs> right. They, they never get there. I mean, Bob Shoup was a name that Missouri fans really wanted as the defensive coordinator here. They're terrible. And right. they're actually worse on offense. You know, I mean, like, it, sound, it sounds crazy to say where this team was three weeks ago, but I don't see how Missouri loses this game. Yeah, just the way Tennessee's been playing and how good Missouri's been playing recently. They're going to have a ton of confidence coming off the Florida Florida win. And it's senior night. I know sometimes that it seems like it's a little drain for guys going into that. But I, I would expect there to be a pretty good showing from the guys. And I know it's just with that pass defense, the, he said it, it's it's like paper. It's like it's fake. I, yeah. It's not there. Drew Locke's going to be able to take advantage of that. They're going to be able to run. And. I would see him scoring quite a few points, and that offense of Tennessee just can't can't get it done, even against a defense like Missouri's. So I think you know where our predictions are going to go. We will make those here at the end of the podcast after we wrap up, but now we are going to turn our attention to what is the main event of the weekend in Columbia, Missouri. And that main event is Missouri basketball. The It's like Christmas morning at 8 o'clock Friday night for Missouri fans, uh, except you know what the present is. The present is Michael Porter Jr. and some other guys that are going to wear Missouri uniforms. The opponent, the Iowa State Cyclones, we're going to bring in Paul Clark, who has been at CycloneReport.com since, like, I don't know, Paul, the beginning of time. Is that about right? It's about 100 internet years. <laughs> the internet internet years are like dog years. I think it's 7 to 1. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pushing 100. <laughs> All right. So, uh, it, it, Iowa State, like, it, people who aren't Iowa State or Missouri fans who are just kind of looking at this game from the outside who have maybe been under a rock for a while are going to say, wow, Iowa State's been a really good program for the last few years. Missouri's been really awful. But neither of these teams really resembles – the teams we saw on the court even eight months ago, how different is this Iowa State roster than than what Missouri fans have gotten used to the last few years? Well, Iowa State is definitely in a little bit of a, a retooling year, I guess. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it turns out to be a full-on rebuilding year or, or maybe reloading, but I, I'm kind of compromising and saying retooling. 
mean, Iowa State, uh, you know, had a core group of guys uh, last year's seniors, uh, and then also you can throw in George Niang and a couple of guys uh, from the, the group before that. I mean, they had a core group uh, that had really carried them the past several years, and, and all those guys are gone. So it is very much a new-look team, uh, and it's a shorthanded team uh, that will be coming to, to Columbia. So uh, even some of the, the new-look guys aren't available yet. Uh, so I, I'm not sure what we're going to get. Uh, we saw Iowa State play a scrimmage against Emporia State the other night. Uh, didn't look especially impressive. But you know, how much stock do you put in an exhibition game? So we're going to learn a lot uh, when Iowa State and Missouri tangle. I know covering Big 12 tournaments back in the days, it seemed like Iowa State fans always like to travel. Is I mean, is this something coming down to Columbia, getting a chance to watch Michael Porter? Is that something people are talking about up there? Or, or are they just kind of, since the team's kind of retooling, are they just going to stay back up in Ames and, and watch on TV? Well, I think probably the anticipation is down a little bit, uh, and for a couple of reasons. One, the, the retooling that we talked about, mm-hmm. maybe some lower expectations for the team this year. But also – the football team is doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that takes away a little bit uh, from from the basketball anticipation. A lot of Iowa State fans uh, were a little bit disappointed that the football game this Saturday got placed at 11 a.m. So it's going to be really tough, uh, you know, for that hardcore Cyclone fan to attend the basketball game in Columbia uh, on a Friday night mm-hmm. and then be back at Jack Trice Stadium at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning for, for a really big football game. So I don't know how many Iowa State fans you're going to see there in person uh, in Missouri, but uh, certainly uh, you know a lot, of, a lot will be watching if they can't make the trip. You mentioned the, the shorthanded team. I mean, I know uh, freshman forward Cameron Lard is not making the trip. I, I don't know if I haven't seen anything other than coach's decision. He's not making the trip. I don't know what's going on there, but Steve Prom only played seven guys in the exhibition game. Is that about what we're going to see, just seven guys that, that see action tomorrow night? Well, uh, probably one more hand on deck, and that'll be a freshman wing by the name of Terrence Lewis. Uh, he was not available. It was also a coach's decision uh, to sit him out of the exhibition game, but he is expected uh, to travel and be available on uh, for the Missouri game. So uh, that takes him from seven to eight. Uh, you mentioned Cameron Lard. Uh, he is still sidelined for whatever uh, infraction or, or reason or, or what have you. We don't know yet for sure. Uh, Cyclones also have a graduate transfer forward uh, from Princeton, a kid by the name of Hans Braze, uh, but he is still coming back from off-season knee surgery. They do expect him back uh, probably, if not in November, sometime in December, but uh, apparently just quite not ready to go yet. So eight guys is probably uh, the, the full complement of players we'll see. For Missouri fans that, like Gabe was saying, haven't been following basketball these last few years, it's a whole new team here. But who are the guys on Iowa State that, that they need to pay attention, the guys that could uh, possibly burn this team maybe and, and help Iowa State to what would be a little bit of an upset? Well, it, it starts probably with, with Donovan Jackson, uh, senior guard. Uh, Donovan really started to play a, a more an increasing role as last season progressed. And by the end of the year, he wasn't starting, uh, but, but he was certainly playing a lot of minutes and really providing Iowa State with the offensive spark. Uh, he'll be Iowa State's best three-point shooting uh, three-point shooter this year. 
Cyclones, in all likelihood, are not going to be near the three-point shooting team uh, that we've seen the past few years. But but Donovan Jackson is certainly a guy that, that can still light it up. So, you know, if one guy is going to get hot and, and one guy is really going to carry the Cyclones, whether it's, it's in this season opener or other games mm-hmm. later this year, uh, most likely going to be Donovan Jackson. Uh, as far as returning guys, Nick Weiler-Babb, a uh, junior wing, played quite a bit last year. Uh, he's back for the Cyclones. And also their post player, Solomon Young, uh, became a starter last year as a true freshman. He's back as a sophomore. But as far as guys that have played before, uh, that's pretty much the list. <laughs> hey, talking with Paul Clark, CycloneReport.com. One more on basketball, and then, Paul, we do want to ask you a little bit about the football messiah that is Matt Campbell. Uh, Missouri <laughs> fans, big fans of him, by the way. But um, <laughs> last one on basketball, just looking down this roster, I mean, two of the guys that, that aren't going to play are 6'9". Like, Missouri will start two guys that, that are taller than anybody on Iowa State's roster and maybe bring two more off the bench. So I look at this game and say, hey, Missouri's going to pound it in the paint on on every possession and Iowa State better shoot it well or or they're not going to win. Is that a fair scouting report, you think? Oh, I think so. Uh, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I haven't seen this Missouri team play, but right. you guys have seen the individual parts at least and, and have a better sense of that. Uh, I would think they would pound it inside. I would think they would try to take it, uh, take advantage of that that size differential. And the tough thing, of course, for Iowa State is they're not going to have fouls to give. Uh, they they can't even if a guy's not an offensive threat, they can't put a big guy out there just to bang on people and and maybe eat up some fouls. So if they don't have any fouls to give. Uh, you know, how do you stop guys that are not only big but but also talented? So. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I'm not sure how Iowa State exactly uh, uh, tries to attack this beast, but uh, I think the Cyclones are up for uh, up for a challenge. All right, now I want to switch to football. And, like, I, I don't know, Paul, through September, I, I thought, eh, you know, they, they lost to Iowa in overtime, beat Northern Iowa and Akron. They got beat by Texas. It's, it's fine. Iowa State might win six. And then all of a sudden they beat OU. Uh, they beat Kansas, which does still actually count on a team's <laughs> record. Uh, they went in Lubbock, and they beat TCU. Tough fight at West Virginia. I mean, what did Matt Campbell do with this team uh, over the last month to get them to where they're at? Well, I'm definitely uh, an October to remember. Uh, no question about that for Iowa State football. Uh, I, mean, I think it's it's been, uh, you know, it, it's a little coach speak. It's a little cliche, but, but it's been the attention to detail. It's been not turning the ball over. It's been not committing penalties. Uh, it's been uh, doing your job, uh, you know, do your assignment. And I know it, it is. It's very cliche, but, uh, but that's a large part of what they've done. The defense has been outstanding. Uh, I mean, I would go so far as to say right up to today, we, we still got some football left, yeah. But as of today, it's been a championship defense. Uh, it's been that good, especially in the context of, of the Big 12. Uh, yeah. The offense, yeah, you know, hasn't been hasn't been that good. The offense uh, certainly has some some uh, some chinks in the armor, if you will. Uh, Iowa State's unique. They've got one of the best running backs in the league, but they've also got the worst rushing offense as a team. Uh, and David Montgomery, uh, that great individual running back, he makes a lot of yards on his own. Uh, there's not a whole lot of space. Uh, not a lot of yards are blocked for. David Montgomery has to make a lot of them on his own. So, uh, you know, backup quarterback Kyle Kemp uh, has his limitations, but he's a good game manager, uh, tries not to put the ball in trouble and, and makes the throws that are there to be made. So 
I think defense uh, and attention to detail have, have really been what's carried Iowa State to this point. Jay mentioned the the infatuation that uh, our subscribers seem to have with Matt Campbell, and I'm sure the, a lot of other programs that are going to be in the looking for a coach. It doesn't look like Missouri will be now, um, but other programs. How much concern is there in Ames among Cyclone fans that uh, Coach Campbell won't be there that long? Well, I, I think – I mean, there's always concern. There there has to be. Uh, you know, he said all the right things. We do know that there's still a fairly significant buyout in place. It's, mm-hmm. it's basically whatever the value of his remaining contract is, that's the buyout. So that's going to go down by a couple of million or whatever every year. But right now it's, it's over $9 million. That can all be negotiated away. If a guy wants to leave, he's going to leave. But it's, it's, a, it's a decent impediment. Uh, to somebody coming in and stealing him away. also think the last three games of the season uh, will tell us a lot. You know, 6-6 six and six, Matt Campbell isn't worth as much as 9-3 and three, Matt Campbell. Right. So we, re- we really don't know yet what he's worth. Uh, through nine games, it's, it's been a pretty good year. Uh, Iowa State is capable of winning their last three, and Iowa State is capable of losing their last three. Uh, so I think we still have a lot to learn in terms of just what his market value might be with the end of the season. And, and more importantly, I suppose, what does Iowa State need to do to take him off the market? And uh, I have actually seen a decent number of, like, you know, everybody does these bowl projections. I mean, I'm surprised we don't have any 2019 bowl projections yet. But I've seen a decent <laughs> number of people expecting Missouri to finish strong, Iowa State maybe to stumble, and, and those two teams to meet up in a bowl game. So kudos to people in Ames who are still willing to play Missouri, despite the fact Missouri left the, uh, the big 12. That's a, that's not necessarily a universal thing in the big 12. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't think there are too many hard feelings. If that bowl, if that Liberty bowl, my matchup happens though, you, you got to make sure that Missouri brings the telephone trophy. Oh, I, I forgot would, about yeah. that thing. I would yeah. want that back, you know, <laughs> did Missouri win the last game between the two? I don't even I remember. I think so. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, it, have, I haven't seen it around Iowa State's athletic building, so I assume it's I, down there somewhere. Yeah, it's probably hanging around somewhere. I, I have not gone on a hunt, but there you go. You just gave me a story for the week before the game. I got to go find that trophy, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time, and uh, and we'll talk to you later on. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, All right. Paul. Paul Clark, CycloneReport.com, and uh, big weekend, huh? Yeah, it will be. <laughs> And it's Veterans Week, and that's actually the most important thing. It, that's true. I, I <laughs> kind of feel so happy Veterans Day to Brian. Not to me. I'm just like I can get five free meals this weekend. Is that right? They're doing breakfast tomorrow at IHOP, and then yeah. you can get them all day on Saturday because that's actually and, Veterans Day. I mean, plus you can eat in the press box right. twice. Right. And then Golden Corral's hooking us up on Monday. So there you go. It might. It could be the Dude. death toll for like. Like, I don't <laughs> want to put a potential sponsorship for the podcast in jeopardy, but Golden Corral should pay you to eat there. Man. <laughs> so. It's a buffet. Surely I can find something worth eating. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's really. It's a hell of a business approach. Like, we're going to give you bad food, but we're going to give you so much of it you think it's good. Exactly. That, that's kind of like this podcast. Like, it sucks, but we're going to talk so much you're going to think it You're going to love it. Exactly. So, all right. So, I, I was talking about this with somebody earlier. Is this the most anticipated basketball game in Missouri history? Like, uh, I, there have been bigger games, but like when number one Oklahoma came here, some of those KU games or even NCAA tournament games, but you didn't have seven months to look forward to those. Right. Yeah, that's unique because everyone knew it was going to be the last game for a while between Kansas and Missouri for that game here in Columbia. And that 
and the game lived up to the hype. It was so good and entertaining. But going into it, yeah, you, you just didn't have the same situation, the setup and all that. So I think it is just because Missouri fans were so low. They didn't think this was going to be possible at all. No one thought Michael Porter Jr. was coming at, what, nine, ten months ago. And then it happened. And that, ever since then, that this is all anyone's been looking at for the, that whole time period. They've all had this date circled. It's completely sold out. The students are going to be there. Everyone's going to be there. It's it's going to be quite the environment. No question. And, uh, you know, like, hey, props to Barry Odom's football team for making the second half of the weekend matter a little bit. Because, like, if Missouri was 2-7, and 3-6, and six, right. this is a lot of excitement for a basketball game. And then, oh, by the way, that other thing's happening, too. Right, yeah. A chance to – it's senior day, like we were talking about earlier. A chance to get to 500, if I'm remembering the record correctly, right? Yes. They're 4-5 yeah, right four and now. Five. So, yeah, I mean, some things out there. Finish out with the win. I mean, there's some momentum. You think that last week you could understand why the fans hadn't completely bought in. They just mm-hmm. beat two weaker opponents. They wanted to see, all right, show me something against the Florida team. They did that. So now, I mean, they need to come out. There needs to be at least – 50, 55,000, I, I would I think. I think there ought to be enough people hanging around after the basketball right. game. They'll get over 50, don't you? Yeah, I would think so. If not, man, and, that's And tough. look, I mean, A.J. Logan, Jamon Moore, some of these kids have – they've they've done quite a bit for this program, especially right. this year. Like, senior day is always – Ish Witter. It's always kind of yep. cool. Yeah, it is. They do a, they've always done a great job. I, Coach Pinkle did a great job with it in his time. I'm Odom, I'm sure, will kind of take that and – I don't remember and, exactly what they did last year, but I'm, I mean, yeah. it's hard to mess it up. But <laughs> yeah, and I, and I know, like, I talked to these seniors way back at SEC Media Day, and they all said, "Hey, like, we want our legacy to be the the guys that got Missouri back to a bowl game." And right, it, nobody's throwing parties for the Liberty Bowl or the Texas Bowl or the Belk Bowl or Birmingham, whatever it is. Like, it's not the biggest thing ever, but it is a significant step for this program. Right, considering where they were at the last couple seasons and how this season started. Yeah. It's pretty it, – it would be – if they went out, it's pretty remarkable. I know you're not going to give Odom coach of the year because he was responsible for the right. first half, but probably second half coach of the year for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt if they had that. So so let's finish this up calling a few shots. So postseason honors. Drew Locke, first team All-SEC? Man, just like, based off the numbers, nobody's within a thousand yards of him, right? It, and it, all the like touchdowns, if, and no one's close in touchdowns either, are they? If you give it to Jalen Hurts, what you're telling me is like it doesn't really matter how you are, how good you are, just be on a good team. Right. And like Jalen Hurts, a good football player. Right. Don't get me wrong, but but Alabama would be undefeated with Drew Lockett. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they'd be they'd be seven and two with you as their quarterback, right? Probably. Nah, they'd be undefeated. I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, they'd be seven and two with me as their quarterback. So, all right, so we think Drew Locke, first team All SEC. Yep. Jamon Moore should be Drew- first team. Oh, no question. Yeah, no question. Albert O. I don't know what I other tight ends have done. Like as he has much. a lot of touchdowns. Right. I don't know if the actual numbers look that good. Uh, Terry Beckner. I don't know if you can give anybody on this defense first right. team, but if you can, he's the guy. Yeah, I'd have to look and see what other def- – he, He's sure- got to have three really good weeks. The, pro- the problem is, and I'm sure there's defensive tackles at Alabama, Georgia, all these other – that have yeah. done really well is also. Yeah. So Okay, last last one on uh, football individually. Drew Locke, back next year? I think so yeah. at this point. Yeah, I would I would think so. Although, I mean, you get that first-round grade. It's, it's tough to turn tough. down. And I don't know if he'll get a first-round right, grade. But if he thing. keeps playing the way he has for the last three weeks – he could. I still think he's back. Yeah. 
barring just something unforeseen, I, I think he and the people around him realize like he can get a lot better and maybe be in a lot better situation and a lot more ready to be a pro. Like, right. it's one thing to go to the NFL. It's another thing to go there in a position to actually have a good, long, productive career. Right. You, I mean, you can end up in a situation where you start poorly and then you're just never able to recover. You get a label. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what happened to Blaine Gabbard. He's always, I mean, obviously he hasn't played great either, so that doesn't help. But yeah, it's, yeah you, you'd rather get yourself in a situation to where you can, you can show well early and then lead on to a productive career. All right, football, give me the score this weekend. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 38 to 13. All right, I picked 41 to 13. I just don't think – I don't think Tennessee's got enough on either side of the football. Um, does Missouri win out? I don't know. That Arkansas game's – You've been predicting it for I like have six been. weeks, man. <laughs> I I still think they do. It uh, Vanderbilt's not in very good. I mean, I know they beat Kansas State yeah. and did all that, but Missouri should be able to – the only I, one that – Arkansas is the one that I feel like could score enough points to outscore right. Missouri. Yeah, that's Everybody true. else, I feel like Missouri should be able to outscore them. We don't know what Arkansas is going to be playing for, though. Right. I mean, if they're 4-7 going what's into going that on. game, yeah. they may not care. Um, as of today, I'm going to say Missouri goes 2-1 and one down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But I may very well change my mind by next Thursday and, and pick them to win out. Um, if they go out and dominate like we're predicting and look really good and things like that, I mean – yeah. I, Definitely. See, if they just squeak one out where they play terrible, then, yeah, you change your mind a little bit. All right, we'll finish it up. Kind of same thing on the basketball side. First of all, tomorrow night against Iowa State. Result? Uh, I think they're going to win pretty easily, especially after talking with Paul and looking yeah. at that stuff a little bit more. Um, I would be surprised if it's uh, a 14-point within. I mean, I think they're going to win by double digits, and it could be a 20-point win or yeah, something I, like that. I picked Missouri by 10. I could see it being worse than that. Um, I mean, I guess they're scoring the 80s. going to be like 80-something to 60-something probably. Okay, now this one's going to be a little open-ended. What are Michael Porter Jr.'s like postseason honors? Hmm. Freshman of the they're year. All on the, they're all yeah. on the table. I don't think he's going to be like player of the year. I think he's going to be like – how many teams do they do for like – it, it, there's well the all sec team has think, eight dudes on it right he'll and make then, that first yeah, team ncaa you know all americans they do three teams okay i think he could i could see him like being a third team all american i'd be surprised yeah. if he was first team maybe second i don't know um freshman of the year nationally in the sec first team all sec something like that i'm gonna go first team all sec sec freshman and player of the year yeah and he will be on an All-American team. I don't know that it will be first team, but right. I think he'll be on one. So a okay. national freshman in the – uh, not sure. Know, man. Marvin Bagley is Jared pretty Aiton, good. Jared Mo Bamba. The, yeah. I think those guys are, are going to be in the uh, – I think it, it's – I don't know. It might not be – I can't remember. Aiton from Arizona. I can't remember his first yeah. name. DeAndre, I, DeAndre. Yeah, that might be right. I don't know. Whatever. The, the kid from Arizona, <laughs> assuming they get to play all season long. Okay, last one, and, and I kind of did this last week, so I picked Missouri 24-10 and 10 entering the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. is like somewhere around a 6 or a 7 seed. I think that's a good year. I think some fans will be a little disappointed. What's, uh, did you go through and pick all 10 losses, or did you just come up with that number? I, without... I, I did. I picked them game by game, and I picked them to lose a couple like at Vandy at home against right. A&M that I think people will say no way, but – Look, I also picked him to beat Kentucky once, and these right. things even out. So where do you come down like a win total before the NCAA tournament? 
Um, I'm going to go, I think they'll get over 25 wins. I'm going to go 26 and 8. All right. That's a good year. Yeah. I, not bad. That, that would have, I think that'd be in the running for a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. So there you go, man. I mean, just check back in six months because yeah. we just covered you Market. on everything, right? Uh, we, we've got it all. But uh, seriously, fun weekend here in Columbia. I'll be over at the uh, statue unveiling for Norm Stewart at 1.30 tomorrow. Keegan Pope and I covering basketball. We'll have pictures from all that. Brian and I at football on Saturday. And uh, I don't know. We'll sleep in December. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Signing day's coming up, though, so that'll keep us busy. Actually, we'll oh, probably yeah. sleep in uh, late February, mid to late February. That seems sounds, like the next time. Sounds like a better plan. All right, well, thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Jesse Simonson, Paul Clark, for joining us, and we'll be back a week from now.